Welcome to 77, a sports podcast where an incredible intramural basketball player and an 18-year-old golf cart tycoon drop the filthiest takes on the Portland Trailblazers and Northwest sports. Now, here are your hosts, Dak and Lane. Three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, Pacific Northwest? We are your hosts, Dak and Lane, and we are happy to have you listening to the newest Blazers and Pacific Northwest sports podcast on the block. I am Lane. And I'm Dak, and welcome to the 77 pod. This podcast is going to be covering a variety of topics revolving around sports here in the Pacific Northwest, with a heavy focus on the Portland Trail Blazers. We will also be talking about the Ducks, the Beavers, the Seahawks, Mariners, Packers, and maybe even some Timbers. Ah, of course, the Timbers talk. I love it. So anyways, thank you for listening. This is our first episode that we are releasing, and we want to give you guys all our audience right here all a round of applause. Thank you for being the first ever listeners to the 77 pod in what we hope is a long and illustrious uh, podcasting career for the both of us. So give yourselves a round of applause. We're so happy to have you here. And without further ado, we're going to jump right in to our first segment, uh, which is what do we expect from the Trailblazers with the season resumption down in Orlando? Now, I believe we should start with a little background on where the Blazers are at this point uh, or what their record is and what it stands to at this point and what are the storylines that have kind of been along this season or that have developed along this season. Uh, as we got to this point. So first of all, uh, the Blazers are 29 and 37 on the season. We had, what are some storylines you can think of, Dak? We had Dave Lillard as an all-star. So obviously there's, there's nothing new right there. Um, very well-deserved. Obviously he was hurt, so didn't get to participate in the all-star game. But uh, nonetheless, an all-star. What else do we have? We also have Hassan uh, Whiteside, who is traded uh, from Miami uh, last summer. He's putting up um, big numbers. Yes, he has been putting up big numbers. He has been uh, obviously a delight to watch on the court, getting block shots. His his blocks are incredible. I think they really pump everyone up when he just goes out there and just swats the ball off the glass uh, or out of an opponent's hands. That's always fun to watch. And so, yes, he's been fun to watch this season. Uh, we have CJ, who to me feels like he's not taking the next step. This is just my opinion. And again, I'm not an anti-CJ guy. I'm very much a pro-CJ stan, if you will. But to me, it feels like CJ from from Game 7 in Denver to this point now, it just feels like he has not taken the next step. What what do you think about that take? Yeah, you know already I disagree with you on that one. You know I'm the biggest CJ guy out there. Mm, Okay. He's putting up a record. Uh, points per game uh, clip this year. So I don't know what you're what you're meaning by not taking the next step, but man, sure. 
I, you know what I think it could be? And again, this is, this is just me, you know, thinking out loud kind of, but it also could be for me that Dame has just been so spectacular this season. And truly, like you're saying, CJ's having a record year, but also so is Dame in many aspects uh, that it just feels like he's kind of overshadowing CJ a little bit. And so to me, that could be part of where I'm having this opinion of like, wow, like I feel like CJ didn't really step up as much as I thought he would. So yeah, he's also he's also not the flashy, the flashy player. Yes, you know, very true. He really isn't. He's. He's more so a dependable guy who's going to get you some like good, high quality, high percentage buckets. Uh, but yes, he's definitely not as flashy, at least with Dame, right? Where Dame's pulling up from half court and just draining threes right in in everyone's face, right? For so, sure. Yeah, so I think that could be part of it as well. And then obviously we have Nurk and Collins who are coming back. Nurk, uh, really unfortunate timing with the coronavirus for many things, right? Uh, but especially for Nurk, who had been out all year, and then literally the game before uh, he was supposed to play, the rest of the season gets canceled, where he was supposed to resume against the Rockets. So that kind of sucks. But now, obviously, he's getting a chance to resume. Nurk and Collins will be back for Orlando, and that's going to be something special and exciting to watch for many Blazer fans, I think. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so with that, so those are kind of a recap. The Blazers are 29 and 37 on the season, three and a half games out from the eighth seed out west uh, behind the Memphis Grizzlies, kind of in a hudge pudge group there with the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Spurs, and Sacramento Kings all within a game or two of each other. So, you know, we got some, they're, they're kind of grouped up right now, uh, but they're healthy. They're finally looking healthy, and we'll see what happens in Orlando. Uh, and with that, on that note, let's look at the current roster that we have going into Orlando and uh, I'm just going to throw out some lineups to you Dak and I'm going to talk about and I want you to talk about who you think will get the bulk minutes what are some possible lineup changes that you could see and some groupings that Terry Sots could use down the stretch to start games in different situations Uh, and what do we think that'll look like so first of all what I think most likely will be the uh, the go-to lineup we'll say for starters is I think it's I think he's going to go Damon CJ obviously no secret there, I think he's going to move Mello over to the three, and then I think he's going to go back to what he trusts in Nurkic and Collins, uh, filling out the front court there. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's what he's going to go with. Uh, from his uh, comments yesterday, his comments last week, I think I know for sure Mello's going back to the three. Uh, without Trevor Ariza uh, joining us down in Orlando. And then that leaves us the question, does this Hassan Whiteside accept the bench role? And that's a great question. Um, I hope Dame's, Dame's leadership can um, help him understand that role a little bit better. Um, but it's tough. He's having a great year, so it's like a very awkward position. Uh, for Terry Stotts to be in, hey, you're having a record year, but go sit on the bench. Right. So for sure, so that's tough. Um, but I think Nurkic, the chemistry that Nurkic and Dame and CJ have, that that's kind of the the, the thing that puts him over Whiteside. Yeah, they're both great centers. They're both dominant. They're both great defensively. But when you're you have that chemistry already, uh, play. Played with each other for a couple of years. That's what will set you apart. 
Yeah, I would agree with that take. And yeah, Terry Stotts is in an awkward position, having basically, you could argue, two all-star centers. Obviously, uh, Whiteside has been an all-star before, and Nurkic has not. Uh, but what you could argue with their numbers are all-star quality centers in the same position on the same team, right? And so that's a that's a tough position to be in, but it's also a good problem to have if you're a coach because what you what you kind of fall back on is that neither option is actually a bad choice. So we'll see. I think it will come down to Whiteside. Uh, if he is not the starter, it's going to come down to him accepting that role off the bench, kind of. You know, obviously he's in a contract year, right? Uh, but but accepting that role as part of the team, being giving into Dame's leadership, uh, and, and really doing his best from there on out to help the team win some games and get into the playoffs. That's what I think. Uh, other people we should talk about on the roster who's going to get some minutes: Gary Trent. Uh, there was an article that came out a few days ago, I believe, that talked about him being one of the most exciting players uh, to watch in Orlando. What do you think about, what do you think we're going to see out of Gary Trent down in Orlando as the season resumes? Yeah. So a lot of people have actually written articles about this. That I've read Gary Trent's going to be, if he picks up right where he left off, he's going to be very exciting to watch his defense. He has very quick hands. He's always in the passing lanes. He was pretty, uh, pretty good perimeter defender. He's shooting the three ball very well. He was attacking well. So he'll be exciting to watch. He's a young young guy, and if he uh, continues um, the streak that he was on, he should be very exciting to watch. Yes, I'm very excited to watch Gary Trent. I think he's in his second season. He's just coming into who he's going to be in the NBA, kind of a 3 and D guy who can also get his own shot off and be – an excellent lockdown defender at times on opposing teams' guards. So I'm very excited to see what Gary Trent gives us in Orlando. Uh, Anthony Simons as well. We should talk about Anthony. He is a guy who, uh, you know, he's already been quoted by Dame, or Dame has already been quoted as saying, you know, when I'm on my way out, he's going to be a guy that you guys are looking at and interviewing every night as kind of like the star or the go-to guy on the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, so what do you what do you think about Anthony? What do you expect to see out of Anthony Simons down in Orlando? Yeah, so I expect him to be our backup point guard uh, to play alongside Damon DJ at times uh, with his length, his shooting ability. Uh, he's pretty pretty well. Um, he's been playing pretty well attacking the basket. So I continue um, to watch that happen. He had a, a little bit rough um, second half of the year. He started out pretty strong um, after a great end to last season uh, when we needed him. Then he came and um, he came here uh, into this season and played pretty good as the backer brawl and then kind of uh, trickled off a little bit. But he's, you know, putting up decent numbers for a backup point guard. So I hope he continues that. Uh, maybe one less turnover a game, but hey, he's backing up Dame, so it can't be perfect. Right, right. It's going to be hard to find that kind of uh, that kind of backup for a point guard like Damian Lillard, no doubt. And he is still very young, still learning a lot from Dame, from CJ, uh, just how to play in the NBA. So I'm excited to see Anthony. His athleticism is off the charts, and yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what he do, he does uh, down in Orlando. And then also, I think here, I want to get your take on this. 
so at the backup small forward position, we have two guys who I think are vying for some playing time right now. But I know that as the season comes to an end and as playoffs start, usually coaches and Terry Stotts uh, does this just the same as any other coach. They tend to shrink their they shrink their lineups to about eight to maybe nine guys. And so as that lineup is shrinking, I think there's two guys you could argue uh, at the small forward back back small forward position that deserve some playing time. And those guys are Mario Herzonia or Nasir Little. If you had to go with one of them down the stretch, uh, playing serious minutes and playoff type basketball, which we fully expect that to be like in Orlando at this point for the Portland Trailblazers, playoff intensity basketball, which of the two would you feel more comfortable with uh, on the floor getting the bulk minutes? Yeah, so I would trust Nazir Little a little bit a little bit more. He had he played at North Carolina, so he has a little bit of postseason experience. Uh, so I, I really like Nazir too. He's a little bit uh, more versatile. He, in my opinion, he makes smarter decisions than Mario. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what Terry decides on. But I don't think there is a whole lot of time for both of them to play, uh, especially in the playoffs, as you were saying. But yeah, I would go with Nazir. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I think that Nasir is a guy who is going to be something special for this franchise going forward. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star by any stretch. Obviously, we hope he does get to that point. But I think he'll be a solid starter for the Blazers for some years to come, uh, eventually getting into that role. And so I would love to see him get some quality playoff-type basketball minutes uh, here in Orlando. And, uh, and I think that he would benefit from that immensely. Look, and I'm not trying to slander Mario here, right? Uh, I think Mario is great. He's been a pro for a while now, and he's kind of come into who he is as a pro. But like you're saying, right, I just sometimes he's on the court and it seems like some decisions he make are questionable. He's a guy that needs to have the ball in his hands to kind of make a difference, which when you're on the court with Damon CJ, you don't really want anyone else to have the ball in their hands for an extended period of time besides Damon or CJ. So I think there's certain things that kind of limit what he can do with our roster. Uh, and I would, I would tend to agree with you that I think Nasir Little is a guy that I would like to see if there is that eight or ninth man down the stretch, uh, that he would be the guy getting that minutes. So that brings us to our next point. Uh, with all this talk about rosters and playing time and all these things, do we, as fans, what would we be satisfied with as far as when the Blazer season is over, Whatever their record was, however they did, what would we look back on and say, you know what, that was a successful 2019-2020 Portland Trailblazers season? Yeah, so I definitely think that making the playoffs uh, would be successful. And I wouldn't put it past the Blazers. Yeah, it's a long shot, but I think they could probably compete with uh, the Lakers. Uh, The Lakers are the first seed. Uh, in the West right now. And, yeah, they have a guy named LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But they're also banged up. Uh, this week, Rondo broke his thumb or hand, so he's out five weeks, so they aren't sure if he's going to be there. Um, Avery Bradley stayed home. So, they're you know, that's two of their five starters. So you don't know who's going to fill those roles. Uh, you don't know what the Lakers are going to be. So I bet, I, 
I think the Blazers have a better shot against the Lakers. Uh, I, of course, another um, it's a long shot, but if we could at least make the make the playoffs, that would be a a successful season in my eyes. Okay, so for you, just making the playoffs is good enough. I, I tend to agree. I think that the making the playoffs would be a huge thing. But I also think if you get into that 1-8 matchup, especially with a healthy, well, you could argue healthy roster. Obviously, Rodney Hood is not here, and Trevor Reza did not come to Orlando uh, for personal reasons. But I think if you make that 1-8 matchup with the Lakers, to me, I think you got to win at least a couple games to make it feel like it was actually real. I think if you go out there and you get swept or you have the gentleman sweep where you win one game out of the five, uh, you know, four to one, Lakers beat you in a series. To me, that kind of feels like a letdown. But I think as long as it's a competitive series, you know, we're showing some heart, we're showing some hustle, we're kind of making Braun, LeBron James sweat a little bit, uh, you know, make him exert some maximum effort to kind of put us away. I think that that would be a great, great season. And then anything on top of that, if we win the series, obviously, you know, that's immediately a successful season in my eyes, no matter if they go past the second round or not. So, so yeah, I agree with you on that, but I do think it is how you play in that playoff series uh, that would determine for me if it's success, if it's a. Okay, and now we're going to jump into segment two. We have an NBA conspiracy to get Zion into the playoffs. Add the conspiracy music here, right? So what we want to look at with this is we want to look at some of the schedules that the NBA has released for the teams that are vying for that eighth playoff seed. Now, uh, for our Portland Trailblazers, in case you're wondering, every team that the Trailblazers play in Orlando has a better record than them and is in the NBA playoffs at this moment. So we have the Grizzlies on the 31st. They open up with the Grizzlies. Uh, obviously, they are one spot ahead of the Blazers on the eighth seed. So that's a big game for the Blazers in many respects. Then the Blazers have the Celtics, Rockets, Nuggets, Clippers, Sixers, Mavericks. And then they end with the Nets, who are kind of a crapshoot right now. A lot of their players aren't going. So really, Dakota, I, I would say for the Blazers, that is one game where I can feel confident that they will win. Other than that, I think a lot of these games are going to be tough for the Blazers uh, going into Orlando, playing these very competitive teams. Yeah, I agree with you there, but... Who knows? Jay Crossover just got it. Just got added to the Nets. Jamal Crawford, That's former true. Blazer from That's Seattle. Shout out Jay Crossover. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? His last game, he had fifty plus playing for the Suns. So no, but but seriously, I think that's the only game that um, is semi easy. I think um, we have a lot of tough games. Uh, but who knows? Russell Westbrook just tested positive for coronavirus a couple days ago. So, so the Rockets might not be at full strength. I don't think James Harden has joined the Rockets yet in Orlando. So something could be going on there. So we don't know. Um, everyone can adjust to the bubble differently and be a completely different team, especially the younger teams. But how the schedule looks, it looks very, very tough. Yes. And then the next one team we should talk about uh, going into is the team that has the eight seed right now, the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant, who they've been playing 
surprisingly great basketball all season for a young team who's just kind of thrown together. Uh, they have themselves in playoff contention, a playoff seed right now at this moment. Their schedule looks like, obviously, what we said, the Trailblazers first, and then they're playing the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Raptors, Celtics, and then they end their season with a tough matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks uh, on the 13th of August. So for them, they are only playing two, or excuse me, three teams who are lower than them in the, in the standings at this point, in the Blazers, Spurs, and Pelicans. And then they have five games against teams who are higher than them in the standings uh, in playoff teams. So again, for the Grizzlies, it's not going to be any cakewalk as well. It's going to be tough sledding, uh, especially towards the back end of their schedule. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And then let's bring up the the Pelican schedule. The Jazz, they play the Jazz, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Wizards, and then the Spurs, Kings again, and the Magic. Super easy. Yeah, I really think so. I mean, it's it's clear to me, if anybody looks at this schedule and says, okay, what's going on here? The Pelicans, uh, you know, they clearly have, you know, obviously two tough games that start, right, with the Jazz and the Clippers, not going to be easy wins for them there. And then the Grizzlies, yeah, you could argue that they are going to be a tough team. They are ahead of them in the standings, but kind of the same level team as the Pelicans. And then to me, you know, for them to be able to get the Kings twice, the Wizards, right, and the Spurs, and the Magic, who the Magic are a playoff team out east, but, you know, there's a difference between an eight-seed Eastern Conference team and an eight-seed Western Conference team, in my opinion. Uh, that's a whole nother debate. But, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's no stretch to say that the NBA is kind of doing a favor here for Zion and the Pelicans. Uh, to kind of kind of get that Zion LeBron matchup first round that I think a lot of people want to see. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think that bringing a lot of money for the NBA, so that that could be it. And I also don't think um, the Pelicans deserve this easy of a of a schedule, even if they were. You know, they need to. In my opinion, it should be something more similar to the Blazers and Grizzlies with the with the tougher teams and but who knows the play, uh the NBA could be uh wanting that Zion LeBron matchup so it would Hopefully be a, they- yeah it would be a sweet matchup uh obviously I'm a Blazer guy so I'm impartial I do think the Blazers Lakers would be a better matchup but I think a lot of people to the casual NBA fan the two names of Zion and LeBron James they just put off certain bells in someone's head that are a little bit different than, you know, a Damian Lillard and LeBron James. So we'll see where that goes. But I definitely I, I think we are a uh, pushing that conspiracy theory on this podcast. No doubt that that the NBA wants Zion and the Pelicans in the playoffs. Uh, and so with that, what we need to move on to now is our third segment where we have what are the biggest things we need to know about the guidelines of the bubble in Disney World, in Orlando, uh, going into the NBA resumption. Now, obviously, some of the players have already ar- arrived. Some of the teams are already there. You've mentioned some players who are not there yet, who have not joined their teams, or, or there are certain teams that aren't even there yet practicing. The Blazers arrived there this week and have started their practice. I believe they've had two practices up to this point. Uh, but they are there. They are practicing in the bubble. 
And what I wanted to do was look at some of the most interesting rules and guidelines that the NBA has laid out for the teams going into the Orlando bubble. So the first one I think that is really interesting is right away, and we saw this with our Blazers, the teams and the players have to self-isolate when they arrive to make sure no one is bringing the virus into the bubble. We saw that right when they arrived. They had to isolate themselves for two days before they could do any sort of team practices, which I thought was really interesting. Gave a lot of time for some interesting Snapchats and some interesting Instagram posts uh, from some of the players. Obviously, a hot point at this time was Dakota. I'm sure you saw this. The uh, all the players were taking pictures of the meals they were getting, which that was kind of fun. It was like a chicken, like a fried chicken piece, and like some salad. It really had the the summer camp vibes. There was like some sandwiches being delivered, right? So that was kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, so I, I thought that was an interesting thing that right when they got there, everybody had to self isolate for a couple of days. Yeah, and to go along with that, the players are staying in three Disney hotels, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, the the Blazers are staying at the Yacht Club, uh, which is what I've heard. What from my um, from what I've heard is a great um, hotel, so I think that's pretty cool to get stay there. And then um, while you're there, um, the rules are pretty pretty strict. You know, yeah. for the first couple of days, you're you're isolated. I think his first forty-eight hours. Now the Blazers and other teams are practicing now, which is uh, a little bit more freedom for them. But they they can do certain things, but they can't cross uh, any boundary outside of uh, Disney. You can't cross any lines there and leave. Some players have been getting in trouble with that. Uh, the coaches will be encouraged to wear face masks. The players will be wearing face masks everywhere they go, except for practice. Yeah, so it's a, definitely a, a different environment. It is, for sure. What I thought was going to be really cool is that even though the players are there and they're supposed to keep their distance from each other, they can still attend each other's games uh, that are going on. So I think that that's going to be a funny thing to see is like, you know, you'll have a nationally televised con- a contest between the Lakers Clippers that I'm sure is going to draw a pretty big crowd of spectators that are all just going to be NBA athletes. And I can imagine that there's going to be some funny content that comes out of that uh, as far as guys with their phones or with the TV broadcast zooming in on guys and just kind of, there's also been that, that rumor where they'll be able to hear a lot more on the court obviously without the fans there. So you'll be able to hear people, you know, if it comes to trash talk, if it comes to whatever, I think that's going to be a funny scenario that we're going to see some of the players. And that's going to be very unique and something we haven't seen before. Um, Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really going to be funny without the, the pause um, there. We're going to hear a lot more. Um, So I think that'll be very entertaining. We also have the players have to get dressed before games and shower after games in their hotel rooms. There is no locker rooms in the arenas that they will be playing in. So that's going to be funny. That's going to be like an AAU basketball feel where you just kind of show up to the school bus or to the team bus with your jersey on and then you go home with it on all stinky and sweaty and gross, right? And, uh, and so that's going to be really funny just to see that kind of thing. There's not going to be the whole walk-up fashion thing 
where that's kind of become that's kind of taken on its own thing at this point with the NBA is like, oh, what is you know what is Russell Westbrook or what is James Harden wearing or what is Dame wearing to the game before, right? So you're not going to have that. You're just going to have guys in their jerseys uh, ready to go. So I think that's going to be a funny adjustment as well that we'll see. Yeah. So the NBA is actually they put something out this morning that they're working on changing it so you can wear comfortable clothes. But who knows if they actually get that change. Some players were complaining that they're missing their marketing opportunity, which is a valid valid point. And to go along with that, the coaches aren't required to wear suits. Oh, okay. So that's going to be interesting. We're yeah, going to see hope. some. Will, who will be, who do you think will be the first coach to break out the shorts in Disney? Actually, yeah. let's take it a I step don't know. Further. Who's going to be the first coach to break out the shorts that are going to hit uh, like too high above the knee, almost awkwardly high above the knees? I feel like Eric Spolstra. Really? Hmm. Okay. That, that I could see that. He's a, you know, he's lived in the South Florida. He's kind of a, a beachy guy now, right? He's lived in South Florida for a while. He probably has a nice tan, a nice leg tan. I, I could see well, that. Uh, or Nick Nurse of the Raptors. Oh, Nick Nurse. Man. Yeah, I could see that. Although I think he, he probably doesn't have quite the tan that Eric Spolstra would have. So that no. might be a little hard to see. A little blinding on the TV cameras living up in Toronto, Canada. So that would yeah, be it's... good. I my favorite for this kind of this kind of take would be I think it's going to be Pop. I think Popovich is going to show up. I think his shorts are going to be way too high, uh, and and he's just going to be out there yelling at the refs, screaming in people's faces, and the Spurs are going to lose a lot of their games, and he'll be gone in like two weeks. So that's my take on that. I think his shorts are going to be way too high. <laughs> What 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 do we think Terry Stotts will wear? I mean, not we're not by any stretch a super fashion kind of podcast here, but I think it's a valid point that if Terry Stotts, who looks very great in in a suit and tie, he always looks great. Uh, what will he be wearing? Will he? Well, here's the thing: Will he just break out the suit and tie anyways? Yeah, that's a great question. I I do feel he won't because he'll just look so awkward. Wearing a suit and tie when everyone's wearing the summer league polo, yeah. But but who knows? Who knows? Oh, here's another one. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen a rule on this, but what about hats? What? Who's going to be a coach if it's allowed to actually going to wear a hat during a game? What about that? Yeah. Who Who would do that? Who would? Do I think that? Rick Rick Carlisle. To cover I can up see his that bald he head wants to sh- cover up the baldness. I could see that Rick Carlisle. Maybe he'll just get some uh, some some of those Mickey Mouse ears. Wouldn't that yeah. that'd be hilarious? You just see a coach out there with Mickey Mouse ears trying to direct his team. I think that'd be funny. You know what I think? I think that should be a rule. I think that they should make coaches have to wear that, or at least one of the assistant coaches on the bench should have to wear Mickey Mouse ears the whole time. Disney requires it. Disney would require it as far as a marketing standpoint. Uh, I think that that would be fantastic. I think people would love that, and it would just be an awesome joke on Twitter full time uh yeah so anyways bringing it back into with all that discussion bring it back into some of our rules here uh we just have a few but as we talked about if a player leaves the bubble without permission he will have to self-isolate for at least another 10 days and potentially subject himself to the 
nasopharyngeal swab, which from what I understand is if you have social media, you've probably seen one of these kind of tests. It's basically that one where they take a yardstick and then they shove it up your nose and it kind of like scrapes your brain or something. And then that's how they, they tell if you have the coronavirus. So that's a lot more uncomfortable than the usual nasal, oral, or saliva test that they do before. So, so that's crazy. And as you mentioned, right, we've already had some players break that rule, uh, which is hilarious. Rashawn Holmes, he was ordering – Rashawn Holmes of the Sacramento Kings, center for the Sacramento Kings, was ordering some DoorDash, went off of the – off of the bubble site, off of the Disney hotel site to get his DoorDash and got caught. And now he has to self-isolate for 10 days, which is hilarious. What do you think Rashawn Holmes was ordering on DoorDash? That's another story that we need to discuss. I don't know, but the food honestly doesn't look that bad. Yeah. The food the food looks pretty good. They're getting steak and lobster and good meal. So I don't, I don't get it. Maybe he needs he needed some fast food. That's true. Sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes, you know, I can be offered a great dinner at my house. My wife, who's an excellent cook, you know, she'll she'll make some really great food, some steak and potatoes, whatever it might be. Uh, and but, but sometimes just, you know, some quick Taco Bell chalupas, they just hit different. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, so to me, you know, I kind of understand what Rashawn Holmes is going through. Uh, but also, come on, man, like you're, you're an NBA player. You're staying at a $500 a night hotel in, in Disney world. I'm sure the food is not that bad. Right. So, so that's kind of a hilarious story that we have there. Uh, we also had that other player for the Rockets do that. What was, what was his name? Uh, Bruno, Bruno. Yeah. We had Bruno do that as well. And so, you know, this is going to be hilarious. A thing that we're going to monitor going forward. Who's trying to sneak off for what reasons, uh, I think it's going to be something that's going to create a lot of stories and a lot of buzz. And then the last thing uh, that we should talk about is any player that tests positive, just as Russell Westbrook did uh, yesterday, they will have to enter isolation housing that will be off of the NBA campus. So they'll be moved away from the bubble to self-isolate uh, and they will be retested away from the other players to confirm that they have a positive outcome. Then they will be in their isolation housing until they register two consecutive negative tests. And then only, only then after two consecutive negative tests, can they rejoin the bubble? So that's interesting. Uh, You got to wonder, especially with a guy like Russell Westbrook, what he's going to be up to in isolation housing for the next 14 days. That's going to be mind boggling, really. I mean, what's your take on that? What do you think the NBA, do you think that's the right thing for them to do? or, Or what do you think? Yeah, I think it's more what they have to do to keep the players safe and keep keep the um, the players that have tested positive away from the healthy players. So I think I think that's the right move. Um, you know, they have a a panel of doctors um, who set this protocol. So. I think it's probably the right move. Um, a lot of guys will probably dislike it because they're used to all this freedom. But, you know, a world pandemic isn't something that people are used to. It's, it's you know, once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. So, so a lot of people are going to have to adjust. And, um, you know, if you have to isolate by yourself, you have to isolate by yourself. If, you know... 
Yeah, it's tough, but if you're going to um, infect your team or the whole NBA, I, I think it's best that you isolate by yourself. Right. And then this brings up the, also the discussion of teams who this is already kind of, you could say that this virus has already kind of gone through. Will they have the advantage? Obviously, the Utah Jazz were a team early on that tested positive for, I believe, at least four or five of their players after Rudy Gobert tested positive. So now they're coming to this point where they won't even have to worry about these some of their key players and Gobert and Donovan Mitchell uh, missing time. So that's another interesting thing that I think is going on in, in a trend that, you know, I'm not going to say it was intentional, but maybe in the back end of things, you know, it kind of works out in their favor, uh, you know, in a way like this. So anyways, these are some of our favorite rules and favorite things that we've seen from the Orlando bubble rules. There was also the, the report where players, uh, you know, in their off time, they will have entertainment options, which include movie screenings and DJ sets. There will also be video games and table tennis, cards, different things. Uh, but it will all still be social distancing. So these guys will be going out on the court all day, sweating all over each other. But then they get to the ping pong table and they can't play doubles. So, yeah. you know. One-on-one NBA, only. Yeah. So the NBA, you know, that you know, to you that might sound ridiculous. And I think it does to a lot of people. But I, I'm not going to fault them. I still kind of understand what they're doing. They're trying to limit the time that the guys can be exposed to each other. Obviously, in basketball, in an NBA game, you know, there's no social distancing. You can't keep guys away from from each other. You can't set rules where, hey, you can't set a screen on a guy because you might breathe on him, right? So there's different things that you can do. But, but again, so that that's going to be interesting to see how the players react to kind of that that sort of rules and regiments. Uh, of what they can and can't do on and off the court. So Yeah, I agree with that, Lane. That brings us to our fourth segment. Have you seen how slim Melo was in those pictures? I have. Melo, I'll say this. Melo looks like he just got out of college. He, If you take a picture of Melo in his rookie season out of Syracuse, uh, fresh, from, fresh from getting the NBA out of Syracuse, and put him up, Next to a picture of him now, I think obviously he does look a little older, right? But as far as his body type, it looks very, very similar. He is looking really slim. Yeah. I really think that he's becoming comfortable in Portland. I think Portland, I think the Blazers probably told him to slim down um, because he's going to be playing the three. And, you know, I think he accepted that. Um, Maybe he did it on his own. Maybe I'm wrong, but also I think he is really comfortable with his role in Portland. There's been articles saying that he's been in Bend fishing. He's on his boat in Lake Oswego. Right. I mean, the, the guy seems comfortable here in Portland. The guy seems comfortable. I think something he's probably loving as well is there's not as much of that national media always in his face out here in Portland. Whereas, he, you know, when he's in New York and especially being – on the Knicks, right, and kind of being the guy on the Knicks for so long, it was any, anywhere he went was big news. And every little thing he d- did was judged by the New York media, uh, which is notorious for just grilling people and just, you know, being brutal at times with people and what they're doing. And so I think he's probably enjoying it. Like you're saying, I think he's enjoying the outdoors. He's always kind of been an outdoorsman. Even when he was in New York, you had stories of Mello going shark fishing and 
you know, grabbing fish with his bare hands and doing all these different outdoorsy kind of things. And in Portland, the Portland area is really great for that. Uh, obviously, Bend is awesome for that. And so, yeah, I think Mello's really coming, kind of coming into his own as a Northwestern guy, a Portlander, if you will. And uh, I love to see what kind of shape he's in because I think he's going to be a slim and slender three out there. Hopefully his quickness is getting better. And uh, you brought up a good point as well about his passing abilities. Yeah, Terry Stotts um, was on record saying yesterday that when they're playing big with Collins or Whiteside and Nurk and Melo at the three, they're gonna Melo's gonna be able to take advantage of the mismatch down low, passing, kicking out to Dame. Terry said that Melo. A lot of people don't know this, but Melo's actually a great passer. He's seen it all, and he knows the right uh, decision to make, which I I agree with. I really haven't looked at that very closely, but he's played a lot of time in the NBA, so he's he has seen it all. Um, so that that's probably true there, Terry. Yeah, I I think so, and I'm really excited to see how he fits in with the team. He's obviously still a guy who can spread the floor. He shoots a a high percentage from three, which Damon CJ, when they're driving and can kick out to a guy who shoots high percentage threes, uh, is always a huge plus for this team and the style of play that they like to to run on offense. And so, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what Melo does in Orlando. I'm glad that he made the decision to come down uh, and play and finish out the season there. And, uh, yeah, he looks great, and we're I'm really excited to see what he does down there. All right, and moving on to our last and final segment of the day, uh, wrapping up the episode with some other Blazers news. We have the news that hopefully you did not miss, but if you did, Kevin Calabro, who was the uh, longtime, uh, I shouldn't say longtime, actually, here, let's start over. Yeah. I can't remember. Were you supposed to say that part, or was I supposed to say that? Go ahead. Go ahead and say it. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Ready? <clears throat> All right, moving on to our last segment of the day. Uh, Some news that you might have missed, kind of in the media clutter. But uh, Kevin Calabro, Blazers TV play-by-play guy for the last four seasons. He was hired right after Mike Barrett and Mike Rice were let go. He's a longtime uh, Seattle sports announcer. He was the Mariners announcer for some time and the Supersonics as well in the 90s. So, he is out. Uh, he, he quit the job, citing family reasons, personal reasons as to why he decided to step down. And uh, yeah, this is some big news, Dakota. I, I think with this news, it's only natural that we start to talk about what are some possible replacements that we could see for KC going forward. Yeah, Lane, did you see all over Twitter people tagging Mike Barrett, wanting him back? I mean, I can't help them, but, uh, you know, Mike Barrett's a great, great announcer. Um, I think he's enjoying what he's doing with the Portland Diamond Project. Maybe he gives the Blazers another chance. Maybe not. Um, who else do you got? Well, I agree with you there. I would, I for one, would love to see MB back uh, on the TV on the sidelines. I think his voice is awesome, and it's so nostalgic for me to hear MB talk about the Blazers and just sports in general. I think that would be fantastic. Another idea I actually had was moving Travis Demers, who took over for Brian Wheeler this uh, this season uh, on the radio end, if they move him over to the TV and then we could have Travis 
and Lamar kind of be the TV guys. I think he would probably do a pretty decent job. Um, is there anyone else we we should talk about? Jordan Kent, he's the replacement. Uh, yes, played Oregon, uh, played football and basketball at Oregon. It's going to be a little state rivalry with him and Lamar Hurd. Lamar, Hurd. yeah, that should be interesting. Lamar Hurd, who played basketball at Oregon State, so a little civil war action right there. Right, right, right. So that's going to be interesting to see all that go down. Uh, and and I'm sure Jordan Kent will do the, a fine job. And who knows if he does good down in Orlando. Maybe he'll secure the job going forward. So we'll see about that. Um, you know, I have some other guys that I've been thinking of and how cool it would be to see them on a Blazer broadcast. Think about this, Dakota. Brandon Roy. How would you feel about seeing Brandon Roy on a Blazers TV broadcast? That would be wild. <laughs> Crazy. The natural, right? The that natural. would be so wild. I, I mean, he's the natural at basketball, right? I don't know how natural he'd be at announcing, but I do think that that would be a welcome sight by a lot of Blazer fans to see Brandon Roy on the sideline. How about Bill Walton? Oh man, I would love, I would love to see Bill Walton uh, again. I think that with if if Bill Walton were to get hired, I think the production value and the professionalism of the of the broadcast would probably take a hit, but that would make up for itself in entertainment value. I, you know, some people with Bill Walton they can't stand him because they say all he does is talk about. Oh, other things, the trees and the grass and the rainbows and all these things that he's doing and, you know, biking all over the West Coast and, you know, all these things. But uh, but I, for one, would love to hear Bill Walton on a Blazer broadcast. I'm going to throw one more pair at you. Tell me what you think, Lane. OK, Joel, the Thrilla Prisbilla and, <laughs> and Steve Blake. Wow. Wow. That would be awesome. You might as well just throw in Chris Kamen as the sideline reporter at that <laughs> point because I think that is an all-star cast. I would love to see Joel, the Vanilla Gorilla, Prisbilla, and Stevie Blake out there. My gosh, what what a great lineup that would be. In uh, no disrespect to Lamar Hurd, I think he does a great job. But I think if you had an all-star cast like that coming up, I think that's just something you have to pull the trigger on. Okay, Lane. Actually, I got one more. Okay. Dicky V, Dicky Vital. What do you think? Oh, baby, I love it, baby. I would love to see Dicky V on the sidelines, baby. He okay. Honestly, though, Dicky V, and he is hilarious, and he's such a nostalgic voice as well. I think here's a really hot take. What if we just pair Bill Walton and Dicky V, and they just become the new Blazers guys? <laughs> well, I, I think that'd be great, but no bas no basketball or what the game is going on would be talked about. <laughs> yeah, it would just be those two having a conversation about the weather for like two and a half hours and then some basketball going on. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think that would be that would be fantastic. You know what I mean? Or better yet, what if we just put what if we just put Dickie V as the the in arena announcer? We just replace Mark Mason with Dickie V. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, so that's some possible replacements and probably some un unlikely replacements for KC. We'll see what happens going there. But, uh, but yeah, that that's sure fun to think about some of those blazer guys and, and even just some national guys that are nostalgic voices and legends uh, that would be fun to see uh, in the blazer sidelines. For and sure. So, so with that, we should uh, do a quick other, other sports update, Northwest sports update. Uh, let's see. We're checking in on the timbers. What do we got for the timbers here? Yeah, so the MLS uh, season resumed. Uh, 
the Timbers beat the Galaxy 2-1. Uh, so that's good for Portland. A lot of Timbers fans here in Portland. So I think that's good. And then not much on the Seahawks end yet. Should be coming up train camp in a few weeks. So we'll have more report then. Are you a Seahawks guy, Lane? I would say that, yes. I, um, you know, obviously the Seahawks are the closest team to the Portland area. Um, and and I would say that, yes, I am. I, I'll say until the Blade, or excuse me, until Portland, uh, hopefully someday lucks into an NFL team, I would consider myself a Seahawks guy uh, through and through until that moment. So, yeah, we'll definitely be covering the Seahawks as their training camp gets going. Um, and, and, you know, there's some, some guys that still need to be signed, some possible trades that can be talked about. And so we'll be covering all that going forward as well. Um, Dakota, I wanted to ask you something before we say goodbye on this episode, just so the, the, the listeners can get a better idea about who we are. Are you a Ducks guy or are you a Beavers guy, Dakota? Yeah, it's a great question. So probably very similar to you. I'm an Oregon guy, but I, I do think that the Beavers are up and coming. I grew up a Beavers fan, so I, I'm always going to be a Beavers fan. But I, I, I like what Cristobal and uh, the Oregon Ducks football team is doing. So I like that. I like, I like where both teams are heading right now. There's nothing quite like a college game in Autzen Stadium. But mm, uh, yes. sometimes, sometimes making a trip down to Research Stadium in Corvallis is cool as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bigger Beaver fan than Duck fan, you could say. But I, I support both teams. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm, I'm an Oregon fan, again, if the Beavers or the Ducks are playing any other Pac-12 opponent, like you're saying, I'm rooting for them. Uh, but it, when it comes right down to it, when the two teams are facing each other in what used to be called the Civil War, I should say, um, then then I will always support the Beavers. I've, I've been that pretty much my whole life. So, yeah, I love what Jonathan, Jonathan Smith is building there. I think he's got some good recruits coming in. and He's got a great offensive system that's become really fun to watch, much different than the Mike Riley days, right? Uh, not as yeah. fun to watch, but but probably a little bit more consistency with Mike Riley. But uh, but no, I think Jonathan Smith is doing a great great job there, and Cristobal as well. I think the future for Oregon, both Oregon football teams, is pretty pretty bright at this moment. So so that's yeah, that's, that's going to be fun to watch in the coming years. Um, so yeah, and so with that, uh, that is the end of our episode. I want to thank you guys all for listening. We want to thank you guys all for listening to the first episode in seventy seven pod history. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at 77pod uh, on Twitter. So that is 70, the word spelled out, S-E-V-E-N-T-Y dash 7 pod on Twitter. You can follow us there on Instagram as well at the same handle. And yeah, check us out next week. We're going to have an interview with a very special guest. We're going to have some lot of interesting content to cover then. And uh, we hope to see you guys next week. You don't want to miss it.